All right, Marky, episode 40, the big 4-0. We're up here at City Hall with a nice view. Our next guest plays for the front, not the back. He's the South District Councilman and a good friend, Chris Scanlon. How are you, Chris? I'm good, fellas. How are you today? Ah, this is going to be fun. So we're going to talk about the ins and outs of being a councilman. Okay. Along, along the lines of how you become the councilman of South Buffalo. And then what does that, that bring? But how we got there. So we're starting out, born 1981, lived on Cumberland. 1981, born on Potter's Road. Born on Potter's, okay. Well, at Mercy Hospital. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, while living on Potter's Road, and I was born in August, we moved in October of 81 to Cumberland, where we still re- my parents still reside. One of seven, Marky. I heard the door was never locked. The door was never locked, and I believe there were a couple instances where things may have been removed from a living room with someone actually sleeping on the couch. <laughs> uh, we were very generous. And I had the privilege of hanging out with Chris back in those McGillney days, and we'll get into all those days, but you're not lying. It was like an open invitation to come on, you know, you're having problems or anything, or you're just bored. They'd say, which one are you looking for? And... Well, he'll be home in about an hour. There's cereal. There's the, the TVs on. It was it was a great household. Or, or you could just go with the the old 1980s. Oh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I came from a big family too, so like it was almost like you're from another world. Yeah. Yeah. So he's one of seven. You guys could relate. Uh, and I said it in the beginning, and I don't know if you want it. Smallest Scanlon head. And I mentioned to you, it's a bit deceiving. It's uh, <laughs> I'm I'm. My head is large front to back, where so I'm north and south. The rest of them are east and west. So I'm just a little bit more deceiving than the rest. Do you guys like have a song which way you go and how you say it? Like who, how many brothers and what's their names? Because a lot of people do that. Just a, no, a we rhythm. don't have any of that Matt Damon kind of yeah. <laughs> Ricky Danny Bailey. No, <laughs> no, none of that. It's just just usually typically right right in order of age. Could you Johnny make, down to Pat? Do it do it as fast as you can. John Caremark, Mike Brett, Chris Pat. Yeah, that's good. See, that's what I was looking for. I don't for. even have that. So I know all of them, great people, but they come from Skanoots, John Scanlon. Talk about your father and your influence on you today as a man, not even as a politician or a council member. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It starts with his influence on me as a man. Um, growing up, watching him, how hard he worked, uh, multiple jobs to be able to put my brothers, my sister, and I through Catholic school, and at one point, uh, the four oldest were all in Catholic high school at the same time, and two of us in Catholic grammar school at the same time, so it's a lot of money. You know, I joked I joke with people from time to time that uh, my parents paid some sort of tuition at St. Thomas Aquinas every year from 1972 to 1999, so they <laughs> should have named a wing after them. But uh, no, yeah, watching him work hard and um, being able to provide for my mother and the seven of us, and so again, it starts there, but then also obviously growing up around politics and watching that take place. It was something that kind of piqued my interest where I always followed politics more as a hobby. Like a presidential election year was my Super Bowl. I used to sit there and watch as much television coverage as possible and then forget about it on election night. I'd sit there for hours and hours and hours and just absorb whatever I could and <clears throat> Excuse me, it's just something really piqued my interest and something I always love to pay attention to. And he's been brought up before on the show by uh, the Kinger. Yeah, Check well, that episode did, out. Did he hold any office? Or what? I, don't, I'm, I don't know what he did. 
Uh, Ray? Yeah, no, no, your old man. My Skinoots. father. Yeah. No, no, he was um, uh, intimately involved in uh, the Mayor Griffin elections and administration, um, not officially as a uh, commissioner or anything like that, just more of a on the side. Kind of behind the, the scenes, democratic sort of thing. The, the social Buffalo, club, the South Buffalo Democratic. Yeah, club. he he helped run the South Buffalo Old First Ward Democratic Committee, and again um, helped Mayor Griffin with his elections, and after that helped uh, Mayor Mazziello and even um, Mayor Brown when Mayor Brown first ran. So, growing up, your father was involved in the odd the odd club, which Correct. really had the perks, Mark, and we we brought it up before of. That auditorium was like better than any church, I always say, in Buffalo. And it was a special place. Talk about growing up being a rink rat at the auditorium. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> certain aspects of our childhood. We were very, very fortunate in that regard. Um, we were able to go up and spend some time at the odd where, um, in, a, in a manner that some people wouldn't be able to. And some of our friends benefit from that as well, you know, whether it was um, the tickets we had to games um, through my father's position as uh, chairman of the board at the Odd. And um, very fortunate. Again, we got to be able to go up there, see some incredible hockey games, uh, going basketball came to town, tickets for wrestling like we were talking about earlier when it would come into town. So, again, very, very fortunate um, and get to spend some time again with friends with older siblings take you to the games I remember one of my favorite memories from the odd would be and we we're probably young and I hope CPS doesn't come looking for my parents at this <laughs> point but uh in I think it was 94 the the four overtime game in the playoffs against New Jersey uh, my brother Patrick and I were there together so at the time we were probably 12 and 8 till <laughs> one o'clock in the morning whatever it was little, up there little patrick was a yeah. terror yes <laughs> when he was this age but big uh, bull red red hair oh those were the days yes. <laughs> chucky yeah. and um but again in hindsight you realize there were probably some other older brothers in the building keeping an eye on you <laughs> yeah yeah but the auditorium was great and they people he's right people you'd get dropped off there and all right, we'll be back here at the yeah. parking garage. I dropped off at the back door. We'll, yeah. we'll see you in three hours. Yeah. yeah. Our generation is very, uh, we wear it on the sleeve, I think, because we were, we were one of the last ones uh, brought up in the old school a little bit. And, uh, man, they got to do something with that arena down there. Well, I think the special thing about the odd and other buildings, whether they were built in right around that time or maybe a little before you think of like buildings like the forum yeah and buildings like that the way they were constructed straight up just so much more intimate it was everything was built straight up instead of fanned out i mean regardless of how high up you were sitting it almost felt like you were right on top of the ice and it, it gave a special feel to the building for sure i know you hear players who played in the arena talk about that all the time I think you're going to see that again because you see it with camden yards and the baseball stadiums and stuff you Hopefully, uh, Terry and Kim are listening to this, Marky. In a, another fast fact, if you ever needed a phone number, you went to the Scanlon House. They had the ultimate phone book of Buffalo. You remember this thing? It, it was thick. It was every number in the city, right? Yeah. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> so if you needed a phone number, they'd ha they'd have it, and you'd find it right away. Well, there were two of them. 
There was the one on the dining room table, the brown leather one that had a lot of numbers, and then I think there was a private one on a legal pad somewhere yeah, my yeah. father had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So politics, Chris. Yes. And, yes. The, and some some really don't look at it's it. Not a, it's not a dirty word. And it really isn't. <laughs> somebody, for your situation, somebody needed to step up, and you stepped up in May of 2012, and basically for your neighborhood i think the neighborhood needed uh well they needed a representative but they needed that guy that brought their lunch pail with them we just didn't need somebody that was a career uh politician we needed an average joe that we yeah. all know and we all know a, a scanlon so it seemed to be perf a perfect situation yeah we, how, we, how scared were you yeah <laughs> that's terrifying well, I, I, before that even you know it's I started I on the council when I was 30, so in my 20s, a couple jobs that I had that I think really prepared me for it. I mean, I, I think, I don't think, the way I view this job is that we're in the customer service business. And um, whether it was my time at UPS, um, I started at UPS as an unloader, and, and after about six, seven weeks, I was approached about entering the management program. And I did that and learning to kind of supervise people and manage personalities because it was a, a, a wide range of people who worked there. Um, that was extremely helpful. And then when I worked in the restaurant business, obviously it's pure customer service. So I think that lent itself incredibly well to what I'm doing now. And um, one thing, as I mentioned, loving politics from... Um, kind of the vantage point I did as more as a hobby and something I love to pay attention to pay attention to and just observe um, I was never one of those people and I was always jealous of them who at like eight years old said this is what I want to do I know what I'm gonna do and I was always jealous of them I never knew what it is I wanted to do exactly um, but I know now that I'm doing it um, this is what I wanted to do um, I know there's that old adage that if you do what you love you don't work a day in your life, and yeah. I honestly feel like I'm doing that now, whether it's the work itself, the people I'm working with. Uh, um, that's absolutely how I feel. But getting into it and how it came about is kind of interesting. you know. So in 2012, my predecessor ran, and ran for and was elected to the state assembly, and South Buffalo was without someone on the council for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And they were going through the appointment process, and for anyone who doesn't know, the way by city charter if a council if a council seat is vacant uh, it is filled by the remaining eight council members through a vote through an op formal open public interview process and then a then a vote where you just need a simple majority of the votes um they went through that process they could not agree on someone uh, there were a couple people who received four votes they could not get to a fifth vote um, while this was going on i had uh two dear friends of mine uh approach me and say, hey, let's go to lunch today. I said, okay, we go to lunch. And it's funny, about two minutes after we sat down, the aforementioned Kinger, <laughs> Ray McGurn, saw us sitting down talking and got right sprung from his seat when he saw us and came over and said, what are you three up to? And we looked at him and said, absolutely nothing. Why? <laughs> so these two friends of mine approached me and said, hey, would you ever consider running for this? What do you think? We think you'd be a good representative for a neighborhood. And I said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I said, but I think I'm more or less, at that point, still was more of a hobby for me and something I liked to pay attention to, but I didn't know if formally I would ever want to get involved. And 
they were going through the process, could not agree on someone. My wife and I were actually headed out of town, oddly enough, to a wedding in Guatemala. Oh, <clears throat> Who doesn't do that, right? Yeah. And uh, so while we were there, we had our fun time. We came home, and still no one was appointed. So they decided to open it back up for more candidates. And at that point, I said, okay, why not take a shot here? Uh, applied, went through the appointment process, and I was lucky enough to receive five votes and was sworn in the next day. And that was May fifteenth, two 2012. And that fall had to run to to fill to complete that term, and then subsequently had to run in 2015, and then again last year. Would you look at it that first election? Now I'm I'm also a student of the politic game. I I always I'm very interested locally and you know nationally, even world sometimes, Marky. <coughs> Did it get a little nasty the first time? Got a little nasty. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a contentious four-way race. Um, each one of my opponents had put in for the appointment and did not get it. Um, so that was there, the kind of an underlying theme that they're probably not happy about. And it got a little nasty at times. And, again, following politics, growing up around politics the way I did, um, you kind of, you're going to, you expect it. A little bit. And the way I view it is, as the candidate, I think you're fair game. I agree. Uh, you put yourself out there. You open yourself up to criticism. And I think that's more than warranted, more than fair. I don't have a problem with that. But when it extends past that and can touch on family members and things of that nature, that's where I draw the line. It's dirty pool, Skates. Yeah, so I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, some of that took place, and uh, I wasn't very happy about that and at certain points i've let it be known to those people but um yeah so it got a little nasty but again a uh, hotly contested four-way race is probably going to happen yeah. it's probably going to happen and it was all well three of the four including myself so three of us were all in our late 20s or Early 30s, Between 28 yeah. and 31, 32, so all similar age, had known each other, and so again, it was, yeah, it was a tough race. Yeah, well, I mean, having a lot of brothers and sisters gives you some pretty thick skin. My, you know, my and brothers need and sisters it. in particular. <laughs> I think you need it. So, I watched that election from, a f you know, at the time, we, we, you know, we, we were invested in the neighborhood. Still are. I fucking live here, you know. Um, yeah, you've only been a... a Hockey coach for twenty years. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, right. I'd say you're pretty committed. Yeah. So, I, I, I took it a little personal when stuff came out that yeah. were you could attack the person, Marky. Yeah. But it's just like you know, uh, with Biden, I well, we don't need to go after his son. He's made mistakes, and believe me, it wasn't even close to that. By the way, yeah. but. Like that's an example. I I don't like to see that in politics. And I mean, we're gonna get into some politics stuff. But and again, if they wanted to go that route, they could have picked on my mistakes. There's enough. Yeah. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I always say, hey, bring out the skeletons. Let's dance. Yeah. You know. So get reelected. What year is that? The following November. So, so, so it's still 2012. Yeah, right? May of 12 appointed. Then had to run in the four way. We had a four way primary in September of 12. I remember coming in here, and I go, it was the first couple of months after the election, and I said, how's it going, Councilman? 
and it, it just kind of <laughs> the, the the head shake like was it almost like I really didn't think the same woman would call about a sidewalk 63 days in a row was it a little shock when you got here no again that side of it came much easier because of the person because of the customer service customer side service, of things yeah. and listen we talk in the office we there's certain technology technological advances that are absolutely helpful to us one thing we do in the office that's a little more old school and i think is extremely helpful in this regard is uh, we simply have a binder as a call logbook. every single call that comes into this office goes into that book and this way regardless of who it is at that time is in charge of that binder stays on me well about this issue or that issue you got to call this person you got to call that person so we, we know every call that comes in it's not getting lost and we debated at one point doing an online shared folder and it's like not nah, I'm never gonna open that online folder there's a hard copy sitting here on the desk we will look at it every day and make sure we know what we have to be doing. That's, again, our generation. We like the schedule on the fridge. Yes. We, we like it in yeah. front of us. You could see here, I didn't use a, a laptop yeah. or anything. Physical copy. I think a lot of that gets lost today in today's world. Yeah, and uh, so to your question, that, that side of it, the, the customer service side of it is what came much easier. It was... Again, when I started, it was it was sink or swim kind of trial by fire when I got here. I remember the day I was sworn in. Again, it happened so quickly. So I was came in in the morning for my interview. That afternoon, I was contacted that I received five votes. They said, come back, come on back downtown. We're going to swear you in. I said, okay, my head's spinning. And then they said, wait, we'll do it, for, we'll do it the right way. We'll do it tomorrow morning. I said, okay. <clears throat> and it was in the middle of budget season. Mm-hmm. So I come up to the office after being sworn in. Um, they hand me a budget book, which is several hundred pages thick, and said, be ready to vote on the budget on Wednesday. <laughs> so, okay. I come into the office. I don't think there was a chair in here. Um, after, when my predecessor left, I think um, several other council members came scouting for furniture and took what they liked. And so, again. You can't buy a chair. Yeah. <laughs> come on. No, no chairs. No t- so yeah. the the president pro temp of the council at the time, Bonnie Russell, was extremely helpful in helping me get acclimated to the position. And um, so that stuff, the uh, the official council and city business, whether it was that budget or on the customer service side of things, once you get the call and know the issue, who do I contact? Mm-hmm. Now, it's like, so it was at first, and I'm sure I drove some people crazy, but it's like you don't know everyone working in every position in each department that handles each issue. So it's like, all right, call the commissioner of that department. All right, call the commissioner of that department. Who do I do? Who do I call for this? Who do I call for that? So, again, I'm sure I was driving some people crazy, but it was the only way I was going to learn who to contact in each department. So that's how we handled things from the customer service side. And um, But the actual council business, it was, I mean, you go down there and there's any God knows how many acronyms thrown around on a daily basis. So learning all of that stuff and getting up to speed on all of that, um, that was the more challenging part. And and as I've told people, it's like, you know, I was, I was six months into the job and said, you know, I got this. I've got this down pat. And then six months later, it's like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> and then six months later, no, I didn't again. Yeah. There, there's just so much to learn. You're always going to be learning stuff. Why? So it was extremely valuable to have people on the council when I started. Like some of them just retired, like a Rich Fontana, yeah. Dave Franzik, who had 20, 30 years on the council um, before they left, or Joe Glumbeck, who's here, is almost 20 years on. The, the institutional knowledge that they have 
and they're able to help you kind of get acclimated was extremely helpful. When do you get to go into the mayor's office? When do they when do they bring you in and show you all the secret books and <laughs> where all the bodies are buried? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Reached out to the mayor immediately yeah. and said, hey, if, if it's possible, could we get on your schedule to come down and sit, talk, talk about what um, – some kind of ideas we have for the district. So he was he was great to you, I bet. And plus, he yeah, knows he, the history of Skanoots and everything. Yeah. I'm sure he was extremely helpful to me, and he's been extremely helpful to the district since I started. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of development taking place, and um, he's been a great partner in government. Yeah, nice Christmas <clears throat> card he sent me this year, Marky. So now we're uh, we're getting our hands dirty. We're in politics. Does it almost feel like holy shit? I gotta I gotta run for re-election now. You're talking it, about in 2012? Yeah. Did, yeah, did it sneak it up on you fast? Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, again, it's – and by far, when the, as far as the constituent service stuff, spring, summertime are the busiest times, especially this spring um, with some of our weathers that we have – some of the winters that we have. Um, people come out for the first time this spring, and they haven't seen things in a couple months they see. And so, I mean, the, fl- the calls flood the office. So, I mean, you're just getting used to the job. These calls are flooding the office. You're trying to keep up on that. But, again, now it's summertime. You've got to get out and get petitions, get on the ballot. Mm-hmm. You're ready for a September primary and with against three other people, which, like we talked about, was hotly contested. So, yeah, it was a lot going on those first few months. Did you have a lot of, like, uh, your father's, like, influencers coming in and giving you some direction? Yes, a little bit. Um, not too much. I reached out to a few guys and asked them their opinion on things. Um, obviously, reached out to my father, um, who, to be honest with you, when I told him, I went over and told him that I was going to put in and seek election as the council member. He almost had a coronary. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I always wondered what his no, reaction was. No, no, don't, no, don't do it. No. <laughs> no. I was like, you don't know what you're getting yourself into. But... Uh, he was beyond supportive after I said, no, this is really what I want to do. And he's been supportive. And um, obviously with his experience and everything um, he's been able to accomplish, he's uh, he's an incredible tool for me to have to bounce ideas off, things like that. But, yeah, there were a couple of his, his friends that were involved in government and politics that I asked opinions on. But then we also, we just, that first year had a, a core group of people that would meet at my house just uh, – Five or six people that would meet and go over things. We'd meet at my house on Thursdays and kind of update on what's happened the last week, kind of put a plan together for the next week and go from there. Does, does he sit you down? These are the new leads. These are the <laughs> South Buffalo leads. You know, the, does he d- dust off the bu- the leather book? Here we go, you know? Yeah. I'm sure he was really excited deep down. He and, was. He, and He probably didn't show it to you right away. No, I think the first time, I think, well, I mean, he's also the, a parent. Yeah. Yeah, first and foremost, and so I'm sure there were nerves and concerns about what might come out. I mean, you talked about the race, and it could get a little dirty, and mm-hmm. obviously you want to protect your children, so some of that was there. But I remember in particular on uh, the night of that primary in 2012, you could see the look on his face, how happy he was and everything. It's, it's something great. I'll never forget for sure. Yeah. When the cameras get in your face the first time, is it, is it like terrifying? Well, yeah, as I mentioned with this head, I've got to first take a step back to make sure I get on camera all the way. But, um, yeah, it's 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 a shock to your system for sure, especially, yeah, when you first start. You're, like, you're, not, you're not used to three cameras in your face or anything like that. And, and actually a funny story about someone sticking a camera in your face the day that I was sworn in. I, I, I give my mom a little hell about this to this day eight years later. They... Uh, 
because everyone was talking about, you know, I was a little young and things of that nature. And they, inter they grabbed my mom after my swearing in and stuck some cameras <laughs> in her face and said, well, what do you think? And she's like, you know, he's a great kid. He's <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But, uh, yeah, it, um, yeah. Yeah, I think you might be Tom Sullivan's proudest student. It's your crowning moment, right? Were you in his uh, public speaking I class? I was in Tom Sullivan's public speaking class my senior year at time, and absolutely. He failed me. Yeah. I do stand-up comedy in a <laughs> podcast now. Maybe it was his critique that got yeah. you there. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> He's coming up. Um. So the little things that we see around town uh, that I liked is uh, you got your hands dirty a little. To shove it down the throats of some people saying, nah, kind of know what I do. I know how to do customer service, and I do work hard. I am a Scanlon, and I'm a South Buffalonian. You're out there mowing lawns of uh, vacant housing or zombie housing, whatever you want to call it. When, do, when does you're sitting in here and you're looking out, you got a great view here, and you're like, I can't sit in here anymore. I need to get my hands dirty. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what it was? It was a combination of things. So after 2008-9, that housing market issue in, mm -hmm. a, across the country, obviously, we started to see a problem in South Buffalo we'd never seen. I mean, you know, um, the housing stock in South Buffalo and the families that have always lived there, everything's always just been so well-maintained and things like that. We started to see blight that we've never seen before. Yeah. So that was an issue. One of the first things we did here by see, upon seeing that, we started a, um, a petition throughout South Buffalo about these zombie properties and sent them to uh, and g gathered quite a few signatures. And I don't remember the numbers, but it was a lot of them and sent it off to these the three biggest offenders. And we were able to see some real movement on some of those houses. So it was uh, it was a real feather in the cap of the staff here who was really working hard on that. It was it was something great to be part of right at the, the kind of at that grassroots level to get started. So that um, the, the just the volume of calls coming to the office about some of these properties with overgrown grass. And again, the city can send people out to do it. But um, in that during that time, there were so many of them popping up. We just couldn't keep up with um, whether it be the mayor's impact team or things like that. And then another factor that led to me and the office, not just me, but other staff members going out and doing it, was uh, kind of taking a lead from Rich Fontana, who was extremely involved as a council member on the grassroots level. You'd see him out there in the district cutting grass, shoveling, whatever he had to do uh, to get things done in his district, and that, that would really kind of rubbed off on me. So we started our own the South District Impact Team here where it was myself and the staff. Uh, at the time, it would have been um, Peggy and Justin. And so we went from there. Um, had some interns who helped out as well. Partnered up with some of the local schools. After that, after we got doing it for a little bit and kind of got into a groove, we reached out to uh, Timon. We used some of their kids for community service. And um, yeah, it was a good, a good program. And it's great to have those people built in Get up off your ass and start working, yeah. and you teach teach a little work ethic, Marky. You know? Yeah, and also. now now the huge changes like now that that just doesn't exist in South Buffalo. Everything's going up. Yeah, we we yeah. definitely see change, seen a change over the last eight years. Again, a lot of that blight popping up, but we've seen a huge change. One of the things I'm most proud of that we've done on the council is so we have our Buffalo Housing Court, and a lot of times whether it's a house that's fallen into disrepair or just the property itself not being maintained. 
if we're out there maintaining it or the mayor's impact team was out there maintaining it or if building our inspectors are out there writing it up for court and ultimately so if we're maintaining it we can charge them for it or if it goes to housing court and there are fines that are levied um, there was real no really no mechanism for us to claw that money back they were being fined some of these people lived out of town didn't care I mean, what were we gonna do to them? They're living in New York, Israel. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you pick it. Right. They're all over the place. Not just the, not just Western New York, not just the country, but internationally, holding these properties. There's nothing we could do. So, regardless of we're sending them to housing court, fining them, doing this, we had millions of dollars sitting there we couldn't collect. So, Rich Fontana and I um, filed a home rule request to New York State, asking that we be allowed to change our. Um, to alter the New York State real property tax law, where now we would be allowed to attach those fines or those bills to the, the property's tax roll. And again, now, if it goes unpaid, the city could foreclose on the property, take the property if they don't want to pay it, sell it at auction to a responsible owner, and turn that property around. Or it took a couple of years to get done. It was It was jammed up in Albany a little bit, but... Uh, a year and a half ago it passed, and we're now in the process of attaching those fines to those properties, and hopefully that w that'll continue the progress we've seen in these neighborhoods. It's good work. Are you seeing uh, less of these out-of-town owners nowadays? Um, no, it's still a problem. Um, maybe not to the extent. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, just a few less, but it, it, it's definitely still a problem. And now that we're, we're just... We are still in the infancy of this program that I was just referencing because it's got to go through a couple of tax cycles before we can start calling back some of these properties. So, again, in the next year or two, we'll see exactly how effective this will be. And at that point, hopefully we'll see. And I, I don't care where you live if you own the property. Sure. As long as it's maintained. And yeah. uh, you could live on the moon. I don't, I don't care. But as long as the property is maintained and you're contributing to the community with it and it's not a detriment to the community and the surrounding neighbors who are investing in their property, it's irrelevant to me where you live. Before I reached the age of reason, I uh, would scream at these people who lived in these houses that I've lived on. Uh, I lived when I lived on uh, Crystal. I would yell at these people who are tenants because there's no maintaining, and people are so busy and they don't think they have to cut the lawn or uh, clean their porch or anything. <laughs> and I, I would, I would get very. Uh, I don't want to say emotional, but. It, a lot of pride in this neighborhood, and, yeah. and I, I hate to see that, but I am seeing less of that yeah, nowadays. Playing for the name on the front. Well, that's yeah. why we said Scans definitely plays for the front, not the back. And what we mean by that, he plays for the team, the, the, the two two O's, as they say. <laughs> hey, don't forget 2-1-0. 2-1-0. <laughs> you'll get, you'll yeah. get me in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now we're going re-election. Now we got to do signs, and we got to get into the, the whole. Uh, you kind of went through it, but it was a faster process. Now, now you had time to sit back. Your message from when you started. Mm -hmm. How how did how has that worked out to 2020? Have you seen things go through that you want to do? Has your message? Uh, I what was your message when you first ran? Yeah, I think one a couple of the core messages that a couple of the core, the core message and. Some of the programming that we wanted to get out there right away, we talked about in 2012 when we were running, was increased programming for our youth, mm -hmm. um, which we've absolutely seen an uptick in. In the summer times, we do in the summertime we do 
or we administer a lacrosse camp for boys and girls, a basketball camp for boys and girls, soccer camp. And we do an educational camp uh, through Dog Ears and Tom McDonald. And so these didn't exist when I took office, right. and now they do. Um, when I was younger, there was a great basketball camp that took place at KS Court. It was yeah. run by Jack Coyle. Yeah. And it was great. And I remember getting into office, and obviously you get a little older. You don't pay. T- there's a gap there where you don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. And you get into office and people calling saying, hey, do you know if there's any any leagues for my kid to get in this and that? And you say you ask someone, say, hey, when does that camp at CAS start? Or say, well, what camp? People will say, what camp? And then you look in and say, well, it doesn't exist anymore. So we thought it was incumbent upon us to put some of this stuff out there, and we've had tremendous success with with it. Uh, we've had several different coaches in each program, all who've been great, and um, it's been a wonderful thing. We hear from parents constantly about how happy they are that are go- these are going on, and the uh, the athletic camps they're they're wonderful. But the one that I think I'm most proud of, and the one we get the most feedback on, are the camps at Dog Ears. Yeah, uh, Tom does an incredible job with the kids there the reading and the writing program he gets them out on many field trips throughout south buffalo brings them back there has them write about it it's it's a it's an incredible camp and we hear about it constantly one of the other things we talked about then was um abbott road and you know i grew up a block off of abbott road and i couldn't remember for the life of me in my entire life when we had any extensive construction on the street um you have to go back, and I don't remember this. This is what I've been told and had to look into about the street being widened in the early 80s. Um, so since then, I don't recall anything taking place. So it was a po- at a point where I said, listen, we got to revitalize Abbott Road a little bit here. Um, on the physical side of things, there's, there's some incredible businesses along the street, and we've got to do our part to help enhance things. And um, we're at the point now this year where we're going to break ground in 2020 on an infrastructure project that will uh, will have a new street a new street surface, new curbing, new sidewalks, new lighting, other street amenities. So we've we finally gotten to the point there, and it seems for anyone listening, sound like it might have taken forever to do, but that's that's how it goes. It, unfortunately, there's yeah. not pockets of money lying around. You've and you've we'll get into that, Skins. There's <clears throat> not a magic wand. There's a lot yeah. of red tape. There's a lot yeah. of committees. People just don't get it. Like. We're all guilty of, oh, God damn it, we need these roads fixed mm-hmm. or we need these sidewalks fixed. Well, you're not the only street in Buffalo, and you don't know what the other part of the city looks like. Sure, this is the one you live, you, you know, where you live, but uh, it it just doesn't work that way. And that's one of the things I wanted to say with you today. Uh, what do you have to say to those those armchair quarterbacks that sit there and say, God damn it, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. I, I I completely understand where they're coming from for sure. They're they're residents of the city of Buffalo and they're paying taxes and they want to see the return on that. Um, but again, I think one of the great things that the Department of Public Works does is, and anyone who's listening can go on their website and look at it, is they have a street street grading system on their on their under the engineering tab on the website, and they grade every street in the city of Buffalo one to ten. Uh, 10 being great shape, one being it should have been repaired a couple of years ago. And uh, once you talk to Public Works, when you start seeing fours, threes, that's where you're going to start seeing your street repaved. Um, and again, they go out and do this. 
I believe, on a yearly basis or bi-yearly basis and uh, grade the streets. And so what we do is in the office, we'll get our calls. We log it in our shared file. Every call we get about a street, sidewalks, you name it. Then during the wintertime, we sit down with Public Works. They'll provide us the plan they want to do for the following construction season. <coughs> Excuse me. And we'll kind of talk to them and say, listen, we get that street. We, you want to do that street. But we're in the district a little more than you are. We drive it a little more than you do. Um, you might want to take a look at this street instead or this street or these sidewalks over here. And if we have to, we'll push those ones off till next year. We think, again, we don't have unlimited resources. Right. So you have to be as careful as you can. And then, again, you pick the streets that are in the most disrepair, and you go from there. And if someone's unhappy, unfortunately, just you have to grin and bear it and say, listen, we are going to get there. I promise you we'll get there. But there was someone over here who was in a little tougher shape mm-hmm. than you were, and but we'll get around to you. Don't We're not going to forget about you. And, and we'll get to this in a little bit, Marky, but I think Scans uh, is a little surprised at how diplomatic that I've got. Well, we just had a diplomat. Fatherhood has softened you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we talked to Mike, and he also said, he's like, you have to have a, you have to have a service background. He's like, you have to work in a restaurant. Yeah. Like teaches you a lot of things, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, having Jimbo on one side, too, having thick skin, like we j- just mentioned, uh, me and Kara worked together. Yeah. And there was, like, a good relationship between us. You know, you got to lash back at each other to make a compromise. Yeah, well, and, and to advance everything forward you're both going to sit there quietly nothing's going to get done but i I think one of the key things is um is from the customer service standpoint in the office and the staff here knows this listen if someone's calling here it's typically not because their day's going well something happened in their life where they need help with something yeah so they're going to be upset they're going to be animated um just calmly discuss the problem with them if you can handle it handle it contact that department have it handled if they want to speak to me i'll speak to them directly and we'll go from there again something went wrong that day yeah and so we're going to try and fix it that's our job and again that's the previous jobs i had as i mentioned you deal with people from all walks of life or having all kinds of different days and there's going to be altercations different types of interaction and you learn how to handle people and talk to people at what point does Councilman Scanlon have a bad day and you know we're supposed to pitch and catch in South Buffalo and we take it we have thick skin but when did it when was the first time someone threw a shot and you were having a bad day you have a family yourself and it, <coughs> you almost let that that Irish attitude out but you you realize you know I, I represent this neighborhood I have to be I have to calm down for a second I Again, as Mark mentioned, um, with six siblings, you you develop a pretty thick skin. Yeah. And um, I can't recall a time where someone called the office and said something to me that got me to the point where I was going to lose my cool. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm not done, though. Where I take umbrage is when people call, and despite them having a bad day, which I completely understand, as I said, they're not calling here to say hello. They're calling because something went wrong. I take umbrage when they call and they are too aggressive, too vulgar, or 
just flat out inappropriate with the staff. Or could have had a couple cocktails at lunch. Well, those are the 3 a.m. voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear those. And um, that's the, that's when I get frustrated. Yeah, I've got a staff here that does an incredible job, that cares a great deal about not just South Buffalo, but the city of Buffalo, and are here every day doing a job, working hard on behalf of the residents. And listen, like I said, I was the candidate. Now I'm the councilman. I'm fair game. That's right. fine with me. Right. But they're just here doing a job. So when they when they take it out on them, that's maybe that's the brother in me, I guess, the big brother, the brother looking out for my yeah. friends and at this point family, I would consider them looking out for my family members in the office and looking to defend them. That's when I get upset. Yeah, to our listeners out there, it's just like an athlete at dinner. Don't go up and bother them. You see a politician or something, they're human too. You yeah. don't you don't have to bother them about You're easy to find. And to, yeah. to be perfectly honest, that stuff doesn't bother me. Well, that's it bothers me. The, I don't know why. It doesn't bother. <laughs> it really, I hate seeing it scans. Because again, I grew up around it and now I'm in it. It doesn't bother me. I I knew what I was getting myself into. So I it even, doesn't bother me. The only the only time I feel bad is say I'm with my wife who didn't sign up for it originally. <laughs> She married a guy. She married a bartender, not a politician. <laughs> yeah. And well, they could be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're always doing somebody a favor. So again, um, I feel bad for her. She doesn't mind, but again, that's if it if it cuts in on our time together, that's when I'll feel bad a little bit. But to yeah. approach me, that doesn't bother me at all. Like I said, I know what I was getting myself into when it comes with the territory. Yeah. I and for example, I seen him. He was hanging signs the other night, so I knew he was out. And something came across the desk that I, I wanted to forward to him. And I knew I wasn't out of line because I knew he was out. And he would he would read it later. Wasn't looking for a reaction sometimes. But I like that, that Chris has. Uh, he's not, it's not that he's available. I feel bad sometimes when I see you and I bring things up. So I always like to throw a little joke or yeah. spin on it to at least get you yeah, laughing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You got to have fun with it. Yeah. You drive yourself crazy otherwise. And another thing you commit your staff to is this, the farmer's market. If you, Does everybody yeah. who worked for you have to work at the farmer's um, market? <laughs> so it's it's evolved over the years that the, mar- the market has. Um, yeah, we, when did it start? So 2020 will be our, I think, our seventh season, sixth or seventh season, and it's been a tremendous success. Um, for the first year, it was a situation where we put it together – and the office was there. We have an inf- not just the vendors themselves, but we have an information table. And we were there every Sunday manning it, operating that table um, for the first couple years. And then we got to a point where we were kind of taking turns then. So we're not there every Sunday. And then it got to a point where um, the market itself was sustaining itself. And we were able to actually hire an intern a quote-unquote intern, through the market to operate that table. Um, So they spent the summer handling that and handling some of the communication and correspondence with the vendors and has freed up some of our time then to do other things. But again, it's almost every Sunday that you pop in, do some shopping, say hello to the vendors. And so in that regard, the the commitment time-wise on Sundays has, has weaned a little bit, but 
the prep for it and all the paperwork and all of that, the amount of work that goes into it that the staff does is unbelievable. I, me and Marky always go. We always support the <coughs> farmers market. Uh, we even had the kids from the hockey league picking up this year garbage. I think more people should uh, go and volunteer when there's a big, big event in Cass Park and they have the farmers. The farmers market goes every Sunday. I yeah. mean, unless there's a monsoon every out Sunday there. first first Sunday of June, last Sunday of September. And what I think I think one of the the special things about our market compared to some of the others is. Um, every Sunday there's live music. Yeah. Great acts from all over the place. Um, we have a number of special days. We call them specialty days where, uh, twice a year we allow community groups come in, set up a table and get their information out. We have kids day where we gear it more towards the kids with obstacle course, face painting, magic shows, things like that. Um, craft vendors. We have a couple craft shows throughout the year. So, there really is something for everyone throughout the year. And one thing that struck me about the market, I was I was so taken aback by it, was uh, we, now everyone knows all the success that's taking place on Seneca Street. And Marky, you got to see the action there on Seneca Street. <laughs> You've said that before. I think. I think I've heard you say that before. But um, when I first sat down with who I did not know at the time, Jake Schneider and Matt from his office to talk, about that building and what they were hope to, hoping to do. They referenced some of the research they did on South Buffalo and the neighborhood surrounding it and talking about median income. They couldn't believe where it was and things like that. And, oh, my God, everyone references the Elmwood Village and things like that, but the median income surrounding this building is only about $5,000 off from that neighborhood and things like that. And they said, and Matt said something interesting in that meeting. He said, you know, one of the first things we do is look into other things going on in the community and one of the selling points to us was that farmer's market you started. And we, we saw how successful it was and how committed people were to attending it. So we knew we had a community here that was tight-knit and really engaged. So we knew we had a viable project. Mm -hmm. So that was really, it really took me back. I was really yeah. taken aback by it. That's awesome. And then you got uh, the local boys helping out on Seneca Street, too, the yeah. hook and ladder. So yeah. that really helps. Absolutely. Yeah, and you grow, growing up with those guys, that, that doesn't uh, hurt. You know them well. You, you, easy well, to work with, those guys. Well, I wasn't going to le lead in on that or let you in on that, but those were the two <laughs> who approached me about running. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I either thought that or there might have been a third guy that was really tall. No, no, <laughs> no. He doesn't go out in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're the South Buffalo mayor, and we 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 bring that up because there's there's something that used to happen in Babcock. We want to tell you about. You could maybe ask the councilman from Babcock, little mayor. Yeah, they used to have a football game, and like one side would support, and usually it was just like the local drunk that would get it because <laughs> he was like out like preaching. He's like, you gotta vote for me, and that was a four year term. So it was every four years, like, this neighborhood would be, and it was, like, prideful. They were like, yeah, like, we're doing it for Smokey. <laughs> were, were there responsibilities associated no, with no. Okay. Just a little mayor. Just a title. You're, you're yeah. Just a title. Okay. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's like, it's, it is like you're the mayor because, like, a lot of people show so much pride. So a lot of people do call. A lot of people yeah. give a shit. Yeah. You know. And when you're, when you're out of town and someone asks you where you're from, you say you're from South Buffalo. South Buffalo. You don't say you're from Buffalo. 
And the other thing that pisses me off when you meet someone from E New York and they say they're from Buffalo <laughs> and you say, what street? You know, that's what I always say. Yeah. What street? What's your last name? What parish? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm from Eden. I'm like, well, don't say you're from Buffalo then. It's like if you're from Eden Street, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you, you brick, oh, the brick street? No, Eden, New York. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there, it, it, it's kind of like you're the mayor of South Buffalo, Scans. Because it looks to me like you're not using this as a springboard. You're like, this is my job. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be a judge. I don't want to yeah, be a congressman. Because we talk about like the limitations of like some parts of office. I don't think that there ever should be one for a councilman. Because you look at like what Fontana did. You know, he's got Fontana's Grove. He put a lot of back into the neighborhood. He was always at Magnico when I was working there. But. I think you're. Inv- it's almost like. Uh, being a firefighter where you have to live in the neighborhood, you're I, I don't know if that's the right analogy, but you're invested here and you, you want to be here and you want to be the councilman. You don't want to, you know, no one's talking about being the mayor or you always look at these guys that go from school board and then they want to be the councilman and then they want to be a legislator. And then, you know, it seems like you're content right now and still learning this job. As I mentioned earlier, Ultimately, I discovered this is what I wanted to do, and I, I mean that 100% when I said earlier, if you come to work and loving what you do every day, it's, I, I, when I've heard that in the past, I may have brushed it off a little bit and say, okay, stop being preachy, yeah. but I think it's true. I really do, and the staff we have here, we are a family, and we get along. We laugh. There's there's bad days. There's aggravating days. Everyone has bad days. Good days, bad days. Everyone asks me, how is it? How's the job? I said, good days, bad days, like everyone else. Mm-hmm. It happens. Yeah. But, no, we have fun doing it, which I think is extremely important. All of us are from South Buffalo, so we're extremely committed to the district, and we care about it and want to see it flourish. And I don't see it getting old as far as l- using it as a springboard, you know, people will ask what's next what's next what's next i said nothing i'm the, I'm the south district councilman right. and if down the road something were to pop up that piqued my interest maybe i don't know but i have two young kids and this job has allowed me to spend some time with them that where some others wouldn't whether it's like a state office and you're out of town yeah, I don't think and Mrs. Scanlon would go for that. <laughs> Mrs. Scanlon can be opinionated. <laughs> She's German. There's nothing wrong with running for state office. It's great. Right. Be, we need state legislators, and absolutely. And Experience. Yeah, absolutely. But um, at this point, I just, I'm happy doing this job every day, working on behalf of the people of South Buffalo and the city of Buffalo. There's, again, there's responsibilities beyond just South Buffalo, obviously, are by charter, our our two largest responsibilities are to be the legislative body of the city of Buffalo, and we have budgetary responsibilities. It's our job to authorize the mayor's budget, and those are huge responsibilities that help shape the city on a yearly basis, and I don't take it lightly, and again, I love doing it. The staff, as I mentioned, is one person I've known here since she was I don't know, six. I grew up with her older brother and another person I've known for 15 years and 20 years. And I know her family extensively and we're like a family. So it's it's not getting old and I don't see it getting old anytime soon. That's great to hear. Um, Scans, recently uh, a friend of mine is in the URT 
with the Buffalo Police, the underwater recovery team. And he uh, was thankful, and he was telling me that you've, you allowed them to open up an office for a training room in Kaz Pool. Can you talk about – a lot of people don't know about this. Well, I think our friends being very kind by saying I allowed them. <laughs> <laughs> there are days I wish I had that unilateral authority, but um, I did not allow anyone to do anything. Um, he's the one, I would say, and I'm not going to use his name because I don't know if he'd sure. want me to. But, um, you can he, say his name. Yeah, Al Ortiz, the Buffalo Police Officer, part of the underwater recovery and rescue team, um, someone that you and I grew up with playing hockey with at Kaz, and um, a great guy, someone who's passionate about what he does and was really, really gung-ho about trying to get this unused conference space at Kaz Pool for the the underwater team and he approached me about it and approached me about it and approached me yeah. about it and he was extremely persistent wanted to see it come to fruition and um, my job as I tell everyone not everyone but a lot of people who call listen I don't have that unilateral authority to do things whether it's a public works issue a parks issue things like that those those departments are in charge of that stuff um, what I can be is your liaison to that right. department and help help try and facilitate some of this stuff. So what I did was reach out to both the police department and the the administration of the police department, as well as the parks department who operates at the pool, and kind of let them in on what they wanted to do. Um, kind of pulled everyone together through some correspondence, and it went from there. And now they're using it, and I think it's be a valuable tool for them for training and things of that nature obviously they can store some equipment when they're training in the pool itself but also some classroom training it's uh it's a uh, it can be a very dangerous job so they need to be up on the latest training and equipment and all of that so um, i'm thrilled that it worked out for them and they're going to be able to use that space you you talk about uh fontana have we seen the last of rich fontana um as an elected yeah i don't know um rich is 47. Yeah, he's a so young he's guy. he's still a young guy. Um, I don't know if he would run for office again. And um, But if he did, um, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to get behind him and support him, that's for sure. He's extremely dedicated in anything that he does, uh, whether it was the Common Council for 20 years, 20-plus 20 years, um, in the restaurant business. I know he. Uh, we talked about it. A lot, him having owned a restaurant, me having worked in the mm -hmm. industry, um, how much work that is, how much how much of a commitment it is, and or whether as like Mark mentioned the Grove and all that stuff, he's or cutting grass, you name it. I mean, he's an extremely hardworking guy. So, if he were decide to run for office down the road, it's and he called for some support, it it wouldn't be that hard of a sell. Great guy. I've had a chance to meet him a couple times. Yeah, and we, really we talked guy. a little bit before uh, about, like, uh, Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, like, I think you guys do a great job. I think Cook and Ladder does a good job of making things for the kids. Like, we don't have businesses for, like, young kids on our streets, and now we're all dads. You know, it's like, how, how do we make ourselves more attractive to, you know, it, be a place that can support a business like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, like that conversation we had with uh, the guys from Schneider, from, uh, from Schneider's group, where they talked about, listen, this community is what really sold it for us. Um, so we have that aspect of it, which is great. 
we have another thing going on for us right now is all the media attention that places like Seneca Street and Casanova Park and some of the development there are um, attracting. And obviously people see that on the news, maybe pique their interest, a business owner, maybe want to open another location in the area. But I think one of the things we need to do and I need to do as the council representative, as a member of government, is make sure that we're partnering in the proper way. Whether it be infrastructure improvements like we're doing on Abbott Road, where we're going to break ground on Abbott Road this year, or partnering with the amazing group of business owners on Seneca Street to further things over there, where we're going to continue to work on hopefully a infrastructure pro project in the near future there as well to improve things. But also, as you mentioned, you touched on the the Chamber of Commerce, who was in, which was I'm not sure the year it was founded in uh, South Buffalo, South Buffalo Chamber of Commerce, but it had a really good run. It did a lot of good, um, attracted some business, some great business networking, but um, for one reason or another, um, dis uh, disbanded. And we are in the process here in the office of putting together uh, a replacement something that will be kind of a multifaceted organization which will hopefully if it comes to fruition and we can get complete buy-in from the business owners and other stakeholders and one thing i think is extremely important that maybe some organizations don't do um, it's great to have the business owners other stakeholders but you need some residents involved too whether it be at the the board level or things of that nature so you have their their viewpoint their vantage point for things. Um, but ho hopefully the organization that we're going to put together will function as a development corporation for South Buffalo as well as a business organization. Where again, there's all this state money out there where we've seen it extremely um, productive, in particular on Seneca Street with some of the projects over there. But um, as a business owner, those certain pockets of funding, you can't just pick up an application and apply for it. You need a community organization to apply for and administer those programs. So some of the areas, whether it's um, Abbott Road doesn't have an official one right now, South Park Avenue does not have an official one. So our thought is if we could put together a umbre an umbrella organization for South Buffalo, that within it has a structure specifically for each business area it could apply for and administer funding for the entire community and then it's much more centralized and streamlined instead of kind of everyone competing for different dollars everyone get on the same page and say listen this street got that this street needs that so let's look over there for a minute and then come back over here so yeah that's right at this point just kind of put it together bringing some of the key people on board and talking about it and this will be a huge year for that. Well, if you ever need License to Talks help, we, we've been at it how long now, Marky? Uh, about a year and a half. And we yeah. really love promoting the neighborhood and the city, of course. Uh, Jim, you've done enough. How long were you were you a or coach? Uh, I started being a coach in 98. So 98 till now, right? This is your only year you took off? Yeah. So, I mean, that's. That's a good 20 years of volunteering for uh Well, I'd want to get know. paid for this gig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I like to bring it up because people say, you know, you hear the term hockey dad. Jim was not a hockey dad, and I always commended him for, you know, getting out there and coaching kids. You know, I always liked having a coach that wasn't someone's dad, you know. And Jim, I think, is always there to protect the names that are on the banners, you know. Some yeah. with us, some yeah. aren't. You know, you want to have a proud place 
And, uh, you know, Jim's got some gripes about the, the oh, rink. No, well, and, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, there, there's gripes. And, I mean, we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't ask the tough questions. Yeah. But um, Timothy J. Burvitt Arena, which I'm going to say Scans was on my uh, peewee team of mine. And, uh, You're on a, the infamous 1988, 89? Yeah, right Park Red Wings? Yeah, we were on the yeah. Red Wings together. So, <laughs> so Scans, And then again, and maybe... Squirt or peewee together. Yeah, maybe. yeah. We were checking, so we were yeah. we were peewees. So Scans knows how passionate and crazy <laughs> hockey people are. So recently, there's uh, I uh, we'll start out by this: the rinks are not they're owned by the city, but they're they're leased by different organizations, and those organizations maintain the ranks and uh they function under their eyes we'll say right yeah so the city rinks casanovia riverside north buffalo yeah um they are they are city of buffalo rinks but operated by uh different entities who enter into a contract with the city of buffalo Hashix Heroes operates both Riverside and Casanova, and um, North Buffalo operates the North Buffalo Ring. And um, that's all contractual to the city of Buffalo. And, yes, those organizations are responsible for day-to-day maintenance of the rink as well as um, ice time and things of that nature. Whereas the, the city, day-to-day operations. Yeah, whereas the city is still responsible for uh, capital improvements, so large-scale improvements. Right. So recently, what's this? This is an old barn, one of the oldest around. I mean, Casanova Park Hockey's been around for the '60s. I want to say the roof was put on in '83, right around there, '84 maybe. Um, so recently, these, these these buildings are getting old, Marky, and there's. There's some uh, there's some water coming in. Then water gets on the ice. A bump is made if it's overnight, if you don't stay on top of it. So I'm a board member of the Casanova Park Hockey Association. One of nine. Like people think one guy runs it. It's just like it's just like this. You have your different jobs and everything like that. Well, who do you think they call, Marky, when there's a problem? I've been there. I've been yeah. there. It's happened down in our studio where these calls. Well, for years, uh, I would scream, yell back at these people. But lately, I've uh, gotten a little older, and I'm starting to realize how it works. You can't wave a magic wand and fix a roof overnight. Um, I don't think that uh, some thought the problem was as big as it was. Would you say that, Scans? Correct. And... Sometimes in the past, I, I would come off a little crazy, but now it's looking like, well, when he's right, does that mean the now other... everybody's a hockey dad? You yeah. Know, so before, now everybody before it was cra- it wasn't as crazy. Yeah, but now everybody has more invested in Jim, this. Jim, don't don't sell yourself short. You were coming off a little <laughs> really crazy, <laughs> not a little crazy. Very passionate. Yeah. Yeah. But I always knew that the ball's not just in the councilman's court because it's it, it's in his district. This is a city issue. So lately, I've, uh, I don't think I've been sticking up, just telling the facts. You've I, become I, more diplomatic. Yes. <laughs> yes. And everybody wants to know 
How, they don't ask me, what do you think of the Skyway or where the stadium's coming? When's this rink going to get fixed? Yeah. And, of course, I'm in the uh, service industry, so people come out and see me. And sometimes they still try to rattle my cage. But it's not working. And because I know kind of the answers. Scans, give these people some answers of the way this goes down and why this is going on. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, these buildings are getting older. Um, since I started in office, we've invested money in mm-hmm. in that in all the the buildings in Cass Park. Actually, um, I think a half a million dollars in the pool. Yeah, north of a million dollars in the casino already. Some structural improvements, and um, I believe it was between two different projects. Whether it was the original one that uh, fixed up some of the locker rooms and the the referee room, and I'm trying to think of the other project, but it was the uh, mats, the mats, all that stuff. Another another three hundred thousand there in the rink, but again. They're just because you invest, that doesn't mean the rink's going to get turned around and get younger. Right. It's going to continue to age and continue to have its problems. And so now we have this problem with the roof. And again, um, as I've said to some people, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, we don't have a large pool of money lying around that we can just pluck from and to fix a problem like that. It's not how it works. As I mentioned, the city's responsible for capital improvements. Is it after a certain amount of money? Is is it? I've always heard the number being thrown around. Is after five thousand dollars, it's the city's responsibility. Is that necessarily true? No, it would be the type of repair. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, like a zamboni would be on the tenant, sort of, because it's wear and tear on their end, where a roof would come under a city. Yeah. So the things like the the, the type of things that the city's responsible for, there, you know, roof. Um, chilling systems, stuff like that, locker rooms, uh, that large scale stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This, this year earlier, uh, I was I was battling with a, a hot water issue, and I said to the guy, "Boy, you're lucky this wasn't ten years ago." <laughs> he goes, "Why?" I go, "Because we'd be buying the furniture right now, rolling around about this." But I understand that now you can't just go out and get a part. Or call the local plumber that happens to be the city plumber and him to come over. Those days are over just like yeah. the auditorium days yeah, are and over. And again, it's for that the reason of transparency. Yeah. You're not going to just, hey, again, certain things, if it's under a certain value, um, the Department of Public Works can do an informal bid and get it done quicker. But larger things, um, they have to go through a process. Put out an RFP, get a response, go and and again, that's to keep everything above board, so you're not shelling out contract to your your cousin and mm-hmm. the guy down the street, and the, then the kickbacks involved. And yeah, so it's all to avoid that. But again, something like the roof you're talking about is a large scale capital project, a half a million dollars, and so it's it's going to go through our capital um, improvement program. And again, everyone would like to like to see it done as quickly as possible. But again, we don't have that funding lying around. That's funding that we go to the bond market for. Right. So again, and this is not something that we can just do on a Tuesday, say, hey, let's go to the bond market for money for Cass Pool. The way our the way we operate uh, the capital improvement program, we put our requests in every August. So it's only once a year that the actual requests go in. And it's at that point, you have nine council members, a police department, a fire department, the administration, public works, yeah, you name it, who all want money. It's a big city. It's, and, 
in an old city. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the buildings are old, and it's one of our the advantages, the things like the uh, architecture and things in the city. But again, it's a, a lot of those buildings are older, antiquated, and so repairs are even more expensive. But again, so you can't just go in on Tuesday and put that request in. It's once a year, and the, there's a cap on how much money we can go to the bond market for. So everyone's, it's not an unlimited pie, size pie. It's a very finite number, and it's all got to be squeezed in there, so you've got to make some tough decisions. And the, the process for that is there's an actual panel that hears all of these requests, and they come out with their recommendations, and ultimately the mayor submits his capital improvement program to the council, and the council can either approve, modify from there. Yeah, because like a year and a half ago, Jim here was like, I'm not coaching anymore. I'm done. I'm not doing anything. And then he has a boy, and then he's back. <laughs> I'm back. And then he's like, and I was like, well, you left. And he's like, and but if I leave. Years. But now he's like, if I leave, it's not going to be. Like, you really had that thing. I, I feel if I leave, it's going to fall to the wayside, to the organization. I've all, I, That's the way I've always felt. And the other th- reason why I hang around is to honor, like, I'm running the Casanova Hockey Hall of Fame dinner, mm-hmm. and those people don't get honored if I'm not. I'm the only one that's crazy enough to be around so long. Yeah. You don't give a shit, yeah. and, and that's where I think that a certain uh, NHL hockey player should uh, hear about this, and uh, that's where he started skating. I think it's about time, and I'll call him out, Marky. I don't care. I think '88 needs to step up to the plate. And do something in this neighborhood. Um, putting a jersey up at the pizzeria ain't doing it for me, brother. <laughs> Let's be honest. And I, I think that um, it's time that he does something, whether it's money or rally the troops or yeah. sitting down uh, when he's home for a softball tournament to uh, for a think tank, just sitting around and help with the ice rink. I don't think it necessarily – is always on guys like scans in the city when there's other people around that have made it that could help. That's my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm maybe I'm the minority or the majority. I don't know. Two things that <clears throat> just to finish the the capital improvement program conversation. Sorry about that. So we no, you're <laughs> good. I just want everyone to yeah. to know the process. So then we get the recommendation. The council makes takes its action. That's not end of the line still then you've still got to go out go to the bond market for the money get the money in once the money arrives that's not the end of the line now you've got to go design you got to get uh the consultant or whether it's the consultant or the construction team or whomever under contract where then you got to negotiate that contract get that done so it's a process it's it can be frustrating for for, for people i can tell you it's frustrating for me sometimes yeah so wait when is this getting done but it's like well yeah the contract's been worked on it's like okay we'll get there but again it can be very frustrating but i also think jim you bring up a good point about you leaving uh the organization and again you've been there a long time and just like i mentioned managing phone calls and personalities and things like that i think um we have a situation over there but whether it's it's just where some people involved in the organization and some people operating the facility don't see eye to eye on things and i think that you've been able to um uh, 
manage some of those personalities as of late as you've become more diplomatic yeah and mm-hmm. it's been helpful yeah the local organizations <laughs> will see what i have up my sleeves uh coming in august but uh things are going well there with uh sitting down and, and figuring out the little problems with them what do you think the answer is just we're gonna apply and we're gonna we're gonna keep trying and we're gonna have to have patience and put a band-aid on what what do you think it comes next well, no, we've we had a meeting myself, Public Works, and the operator recently about the needs and the wish list for the rink, both their side and the city side things that need to be done, um, both thing, things that the city wants knows we have to get done, but also things we need the operator to know that they're responsible for and get done, and vice versa. Yeah, and we had a good meeting. Um, since then, we have. So in addition to that that yearly capital improvement program, you also have a multi-year plan that comes out. And so included for the rink in next year's capital is $1.8 million to replace the chilling system. Yep. And, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it, yeah, too. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> um, so that's a large project. So there's $1.8 million going into the rink there on that project alone. And so we've got to try and find um, that $500,000 to repair the roof and we've reached out to partners in government at the state level to see if they can be helpful with some state dollars and we're, we're waiting to hear on that end. and i've told people and you know they try to get me going and i go well it's not just on uh, our councilman this is in erie county and it's also in the state of new york tell your buddy here that we need some help and i, I think it, it's it's not uh and people ask me what what have you done to jim crean i said it's not that we're going to sit here and yell. We need to, we need to fix this, in a diplomatic way, and know that it's not going to be done overnight. So I just wanted to ask you this, so people stop. Go ahead. Yeah, and again, then, like I said, I reach out. We've reached out to people at the state level, but they can't just turn around and grab money. <laughs> right now, so, they've got to go through their process, which is not on the same timeline as ours, and so it's. So I said it's not easy to navigate, and some unfortunately sometimes things take a little bit longer than you would like and longer than any of us want to see. Yeah. I don't want to see it. My colleagues on the council don't want to see it. The mayor and the administration don't want things to drag on. Right. It doesn't benefit anyone. So again, it doesn't benefit the organization at CAS. doesn't organize doesn't benefit Hashik's heroes. Right. The people using the rink most importantly doesn't benefit them. But unfortunately there's it just you have to go through this process. We also need to do something about the times of open skate. <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's already done. Yeah, oh, we really. Yeah, we've, oh, I need that. We've, we've been uh, doing some stuff behind the I scenes. T- I figured yeah. out I use three one one. Yeah. So <laughs> we, yeah, it's actually one of my. I, I was gonna say a resident, but I'll just d- full transparency. My brother called me one day <laughs> and said, "Hey, what's going on with the open skate time at Cas?" I yeah. said, "What are you talking about?" So then I went on the website, looked, and the times that were allotted for open skate, it's great that they were on there, but they weren't very beneficial to the people who want to use the rink. Right. They're mo- during the week, it was during the work day and during the school day where people weren't going to be able to take advantage of it. Um, so we, again, part of that meeting we had with the operator of the rink, this was, this was the, the genesis of that meeting. Yeah. And then we said, while we're getting together, let's talk about the, the rink itself. So they've agreed. They've shifted their times to where it'll be now. Um, it'll be consistent. Yeah. Be consistent, right. but also in the mid to late afternoon hours. Yeah. Where kids Perfect. can go after school. 
people can come after work, take their kid, things like that. And, and on our in addition end, to the, the Saturday yeah. afternoon. And on our, our end, we want that. Like, we don't want to hog all the ice for, for yeah. practice or game. We want that. We want, Because uh, Scans will tell you, you became a better skater playing tag at open yeah. skate. And, and the, <laughs> one thing, the one thing I told the operators of the rink, I said, listen, when I was growing up, open skate at Kaz was 2 to 4, 7 to 9 every single day. Except for Thursday. Except for. <laughs> <laughs> I said, but, and I get it, we're not going back to that. Yeah, things are time. things are different. Yeah, there, there's more time on the ice for teams. The training's different. Mm-hmm. I get it, but these are also residents who pay taxes to keep this rink open and operating, who aren't going to be able to use free skate time. Yeah, so something's got to be done. We got to shift this time. I want to thank um, the deputy commissioner in public works, who was extremely helpful in getting this time changed, but also Hashix Heroes, who. Worked with us and yeah, they realized. Yeah, yeah. So things are going good. I just wanted to put that out there uh, so people stop calling me and you know let's tell them all. You know, hey, what are you? What's up with the rink? Now we can tell them to listen to License to Talk, Marky. Yeah, <laughs> listen to and, and you got episode another, forty, and you got another four years. Yeah, doing your job now. Yes, um, thankfully um, we were reelected last fall. Um, it was nice, unopposed. It makes it a little easier than yeah. a four-way race. Yeah, you don't have to <laughs> buy any signs or yeah. T-shirts or no, tell yeah. John to go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it made it a lot easier, um, obviously, it, especially um, the shift in the, the timeline for the election last year, the first year. Right. Whereas in the years past, you were out getting petitions in June, things like that, July, taking up your summer for a primary in, in September, now you were out there doing petitions, although it was cold, and everyone thought it was cold in February, March, yeah. getting it done for a primary in June, you didn't have your summer occupied, which was great. Well, we're going to hit them with a couple fast ones, and we'll, we'll finish okay. up with this one. I'm just going to hit you with lightning, Skyway. Um, I've long been a proponent of removal if... We can somehow figure out how to facilitate the the volume that comes into the city. Yeah. Yeah. Good answer. 2020, as a Democrat, have they put their best up? Their best candidates? Yeah. Don't you think they, they should have looked a little harder? <laughs> it's It's interesting. We're sitting here today, the day after a... A debate. Last debate. Night. Yeah, and I watched it. I and, know you did. Yeah, and the the field was narrowed down significantly for that debate. You get to hear people a little more. And um, one of the things I think is interesting that they don't do on that stage is, I think we all know what the problem is, not with that stage, but the other side. And instead of going that route, I still think. They're picking each other apart still a little bit too much. And I think, so you're hearing last night, I don't think anyone on that stage was opposed to health care for everyone. Right. They just want to go about it slightly different ways. Instead of talking about maybe ways that the current president is wreaking havoc on people in that area. (laughs) And I just think they're missing opportunities. So, um I don't know. It's it's an interesting field. You've got people, I mean, from 
every age demographic. Yeah. I mean, I think you got a 40-year age gap. It's like a really good joke. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's covered in it. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in a couple of weeks when uh, results start coming in in Iowa and the New Hampshire and stuff like that. But um, we'll see. I know you're a political junkie, so we'll, when we see each other, we'll we'll talk about the election. I, I think there was uh, – I think the Democrats should have went the way uh, – this city went with the uh, guy bringing his lunch pail like you i think we needed a more honest uh down to earth almost like a dad figure the democrats needed i don't think they got that right now i wish them luck uh i think you, might, you still might see a third party sneak in there i don't know why but we'll see 311 is it working and are they monitoring whether it, it's me or not yeah. <laughs> Everyone has you screened, but uh, it works, I think, for sure. Um, I think it's a victim of its own success, mm-hmm. quite frankly. I think so many people use it that the the sheer volume of calls that get in, people don't realize. Yeah. And then they're sitting there saying, listen, I called 311 yesterday and nothing's been done. I said, well, you called 311 yesterday. So did 5,000 other people yeah. or whatever the number might be. I said, so they're going to get to it. I tell them they'll get to it. Believe me, we have some incredible commissioners in this building right now. We have some incredible um, deputy commissioners, employees in this building in, in the city of Buffalo who care about this city, and they will get to it. I said, but you have to understand just that sheer volume of calls that come in there. Again, it's if anything, it's a victim of its own success in that regard. You think that golf course is ever going to happen? Uh, the Jack Nicholas golf course by uh, Tift? Um, if I had to bet money, I would say no. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll happen. Um, I think you have some people that are very passionate about South Park remaining where it is. Yeah. And um, I don't know, again... They have their studies out there, and they'll continue to do more, but I'm not sure how feasible a new golf course is. And I think the key question, and I'm not sure if it's been answered and I missed it, or but I don't think I've heard it, is who's going to operate it mm-hmm. because um, the amount of strain it puts on resources, um, say, say someone wanted the city to run it, the strain it would put on resources is – um, not something I'd be interested in. Well, that gone guy scares me. I'll just say that. <laughs> Scans, you don't have to comment, but that guy's nuts. But I wish him luck. Uh, and the other thing that came across the desk for L2T is emergency vehicles with the police. Do cops need new cars? They're telling me, and, and this this isn't coming from this is coming from a media member that there's 45 to 50 working police cars in the city. What are we going to do about these these emergency yeah, vehicles? Yeah, the the emergency vehicle, the, the the police cars. Yeah, are something we've heard about. Uh, the union brought up the issue to us. I've, I mean, we all have relatives or mm-hmm. friends that are police officers that have mentioned this, and um, we just had a meeting yesterday. We had our police oversight committee meeting. It was yesterday, so Commissioner Lockwood and his entire command staff was in, and actually, the only two items up for debate yesterday were related to police vehicles and so we had the conversation and asked him about the state of the vehicles within the department 
Um, obviously, and I, I've stated this a couple of times yesterday, public safety in the city of Buffalo is, is a huge factor mm-hmm. and something that my entire time in office, it's something I've focused on is ensuring that whether it's the police department, fire department, you name it, they have the adequate tools, equipment, training to adequately and efficiently do their job. And so driving around in a police car, I can't think of anything more important than just maybe first and foremost to be able to get to a call, have a vehicle there to get to a call, second, to make sure it's safe for the officer. Don't get stuck in the snow, you know. Yeah, so we had this conversation again yesterday. Said We asked, um, what's the status of the fleet? Um, The commissioner said there are 190 vehicles in the fleet. I believe he said there were 56 currently at the garage for repair, you know, leaving 134. And uh, the question is, is that enough to operate? Things of that nature. He thought it was. He said there's a number of them long out long term um, for major accidents, things like that. Some might not come back online. But um, so then the other issue we looked at was making sure that the garage itself is properly staffed. Again, you can take cars over there all day. If there's no one to fix them, yeah. it's not going to help. So... One thing that I think was clear yesterday that myself and other council members um, want to see and want to hear, listen, if there's a problem with the cars, this isn't a, hey, commissioner, we got you. Your short cars busted. This is, hey, if you're short cars, talk to us. We're responsible. We're, the council is responsible for authorizing those dollars at one point. We'll look into buying new cars. Yeah. And let's communicate here. Let's work together. Um one thing I've always focused on during my time in office is uh, I there's this feeling out there with some people that you've got the, the mayor, the council, the mayor and his administration, the council, the controller's office, and that we have to be at odds with right. one another all the time. And I just, I never understood that philosophy. I said, I listen, I understand functioning as a check on one another. I get that. Um, again, when the mayor wants to do certain things, it's got, it needs council, author, council authorization, and there's that process through the council. But why on earth we would ever be out in public beating each other up it's is the crazy to-, to me. It's the Tony Farina and everybody. Skanutz will get that. And so I, I always view it from the vantage point of, listen, no, we should be working in unison to better the brand that is the city of Buffalo. So whether it's rating agencies looking at our financial situation and um, the financial health of the city or businesses maybe looking to relocate, you really want to relocate to a city where a council and a mayor and a control controller are at war? It's, yeah. I don't get it. And I, I just, I've, during my time in office, always, and I mean, probably to my own detriment, um, many times said, listen, I'm not going to take that item to the council and take it down to the council floor where I've got to bring a commissioner in and browbeat them and open open an opportunity for other council members to possibly attack them. Listen, let's do this offline and figure it out. And again, going that route, you're, you're not going to receive recognition for it and so be it. But as long as it's fixed taken care of and no harm comes to the city of buffalo i'd much rather operate in that manner where we're all working in unison and not beating each other up
diplomacy matters and yeah. just like to carry a little end around we'll pull a little end around here that's what he did with larry Kerwin. yeah but again, yeah. And again it's not at a certain point if things aren't getting done and you need to put a spotlight on it that we have the mechanism for it down there in the chambers and we can use it then but i don't think that the initial approach needs to be scorched earth i've never thought that i don't think it benefits anyone i don't think as mark mentioned earlier um working with my sister they used to go at it here and there but eventually you come to compromise but again that's how i like to do things here it's don't go scorched earth we're working together let's improve things here in the city of buffalo but if things aren't getting fixed if things not aren't being tended to then we go to the council then we bring someone and then we fix it well you know that you know that you're the last person that jimbo rode a bike with Oh yeah, yeah. Remember when I got? I do. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I hit a rock or something. That's the last time I rode a bike. You know that? Was that full on handlebars? Right full, over? Oh yeah. yeah. Then some guy that we yeah, probably had a true. beer with. Yeah. But from now, you know, he they're hosing me off in a stranger's house yeah. on McKinley. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I a forgot letter. about that one. <laughs> yeah, he was waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know why we call this license to talk, right? Because he doesn't have a license to drive. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't like bikes. <laughs> well, Scans, uh, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. Uh, Scans is an old friend. I don't really look at him as a politician. He's just a guy that is helping. That assault. shakes everyone's That's hand. It? Yeah. it shakes everybody's he, hand. He helps South Buffalo. Stand, uh, stand near Chris if you are antisocial because he'll have to take all the, yeah. the beating for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Family's great. Uh, everyone's Bubba. good. Katie, Thomas, Addie, everyone's good. Well, Scanooch, you raised a good one. I'll uh, be seeing you at Chucky's wedding. We'll have a drink. Sounds good. Uh, Councilman Scanlon, you are now licensed to talk. Thank you, guys. Wonderful time. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Thank you.